All right. Hey, uh, Kevin D. Miller, first of all, thanks for joining me tonight. Mm-hmm. Let, let Pleasure. Me break down what's going on here on my podcast tonight. I couldn't stay silent. You know, they, the, mm-hmm. the Iranians have bombed our embassies. I believe they said a dozen ballistic missiles, the Pentagon saying. Now, Kevin, I was holding off to see if the president will make remarks. He's not. So we'll just continue on. Sure. Uh, first of all, would you agree with me that the Iranians had a choice here? The first choice was to not kill an American because we weren't going to do anything to them unless they got blood. And they got blood. And Trump, who differed from every other president we've seen, actually goes and attacks and kills their main general. So I, I think Iran was surprised that Trump ended up not being a wussy in this. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, they, they had been plotting this for, for a while, for days. And there's good intelligence, you know, indicating that something was going to happen and American lives and, and other lives were at stake. So what the president did was instead of wait around like some past administrations would have, he stepped up and took action and took this guy out. The guy's a terrorist. He's been doing this. It's not like we just out of the blue decided, hey, let's go take out Iran's uh, top general. The guy's a terrorist. He's been he's been attacking American bases for, for years and, and killing and maiming soldiers. Well, and we're talking with Kevin Miller. Kevin, uh, you have come on this podcast to talk about your grandfather. Sure, yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit, see how you're doing with yeah. the book and oh, sure. the movie project. But I also brought you on because you have some military background. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, I, got, I have a little bit of military background. I've kind of followed that along. But I, like I said, I spent eight years in the United States Air Force serving um, in the Air Force. I served uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Um, some eight of the greatest years of my life. Uh, made a lot of good friends. And, and uh, I'm very proud to have served my country. And I'm very um, passionate and adamant you know, about uh, the military and our veterans and and how we take care of our veterans. Um, You know, so I'm an advocate of all of that. And I'm a supporter of the president. I think he's doing a great job. The military loves him and with good reason. All right. So, Kevin, you were in the Air Force. Obviously, this attack, this killing of uh, Soleimani wasn't done by a regular bomber. We we had a precision strike. Isn't the technology here amazing in 2020? Oh, oh, absolutely. There's no other country in the world, Alex, that can even uh, compare to our technology and our weaponry. And we spend more on military, uh, our military spending than any other country. And, and we can we can hit and take out any country that uh, threatens us or threatens our people in in minutes. And what's what what reaction have you been seeing? What reaction have you been hearing from from your colleagues uh, after these attacks tonight? Uh, it kind of mixed. Well, most of most of the people that I'm, you know, that I speak to who kind of lean, you know, towards the right like I do are, are you know, happy, are, are actually re- very proud, very happy that uh, something was done instead of sitting back and doing nothing. Um, I know a little bit on the, the left, they kind of just, once again, they hate this president so bad that no matter what he does, they're going to oppose it, even if it means right. supporting a terrorist. You know, And it, so. it's unbelievable. As my father said to me, it's like they're supporting this guy. And it's like now they're saying, oh, they're laying him to rest. He should go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, he's a terrorist. He, he's, he's murdered and maimed American citizens and soldiers and stuff. And it was time for him to take him out. And he was planning something else. And the president took action. Well, and, you know, you've seen the Obama administration, the, the Bush mm-hmm. administration. Sure. Are you were you surprised they didn't take any action on this guy or not at all? 
Well, with the President Obama, I'm, I'm not surprised because that's that was his way. He, I mean, he labeled him a, a terrorist. I mean, Obama did label him a terrorist, but no, he never did anything. Obama spent too much time giving him billions of dollars, right? Trying to right. trying to pay him off. You, you can't pay people like this off. The only thing this region understands is strength. And when you have a president like a Trump or a Reagan, you know, they, they sit back because now we've punched them in the face and, you know, they know we're, that Trump's going to do something about it. Right. And, you know, the argument was, oh, well, Reagan passed up this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a different time then. I'm not sure. I, I, yeah. I don't know what what the comparison is there. Maybe you might have an insight into that. Um, yeah, Reagan was a, a similar president. I mean, he didn't have, I mean, you know, they hated him. The press hated him too, but not near to the level of this president, you know, but uh, Reagan was a man who would have done something, I, I believe the same as President Trump did. I mean, he, he would stand up, you know, he went into Libya and, and when, you know, Gaddafi was acting up over there, he wasn't afraid, you know, to use our military to protect our people and, uh, you know, our resources. Now, let's be honest. We we are amazed at the restraint Trump did show leading up to this point. Yeah. I mean, he had ample opportunity. Were you surprised at the restraint he showed or not at all? I'm not because because he's always seems to be five steps ahead of everybody and everything. The man, I mean, they don't give him the credit he deserves. He's he's a very intelligent man, and he is like I said, he steps ahead. And I think it was very calculating. I'm sure he took the time to you know talk to his generals and his advisors before he acted. But I know that you know he he planned on acting. You know, no matter what you know the outcome of those meetings would have been, he was going to do something. Now, I'm not trying to sound skeptical here, but sure. let's say he's meeting with his national security team tonight. Mm-hmm. Could there be some deep staters trying to get in his, in his ear about this and trying to dissuade him from taking more action? I, I would I would assume that there's there's going to be that element. Uh, but I think uh, President Trump is he's smart and he knows um, who he's talking to and he knows who to listen to. And he knows he's smart enough to recognize when when somebody's you know trying to 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 do something like that from the deep state or for wherever. Uh, I think he. Well, and you know Bolton, Bolton resigned from this exact uh, yeah. position, national security advisor. Mm-hmm. I feel like he wanted this to happen a while ago because he is a bit hawkish. Can we agree with mm-hmm. that? Oh yeah, um, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. But Trump did the right thing in not listening to him at that point. Yeah, I think he showed the restraint, and uh, I, I think he did the right thing because, yeah, Bolton is a little bit of a has a little bit of a hair trigger uh, when it comes to these things, and and I was really never fond of that choice, mm-hmm. um, you know, for John Bolton to be in that position, but um, but yeah, I I I'm you know I approve of what the president's done. He's held back, and then he acted when he needed to. Now, there's everybody saying it's World War Three. You've been yeah. in the trenches. You've been in the military. This is not going that far. Is Absolutely it? not. Absolutely not. There, there's no way that this is going to World War Three. Um, Iran is just a big blowhard. They talk, you know, strong. They talk tough and then they back down. And, and the thing right. is, is they know they know they know what they were up to. They know what came. And they're not stupid enough to want to, you know, try to take on and instigate a war with the United States. Now, I got to ask this. So you had the experience in the 70s, 80s. Was there ever involvement going to Iran or did you study Iran while in the military? What was you you know what? Um, Oh, sure, Alex. Uh, Back in um, back in the 70s, when I actually went into the military, uh, Iran was actually an ally at that time. They had, you know, the Shah of Iran was in charge before the embassy was stormed and the Ayatollah took over. Um, So I actually 
had interactions with some Iranian uh, military. You know, when I went to boot camp in Lackland uh, Air Force Base, Texas, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, you know, they're. They, but have, they you were, the history, have you followed the history of this closely? Uh, not not like closely, like I wouldn't say I've studied, you know, Iran in, in close detail. You know, I, I know a little bit about them just by, like I said, interacting with some of their, you know, their soldiers, their military uh, in boot camp and, and just seeing it go down. Could they uh, sense a tide turning uh, when, when you talk to them? The uh, Iranians? Yeah. Could you sense that they were sensing a tide turning over there? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I, I, I think um, I think they did because, yeah, they it always seemed to be that they, they kind of knew that that was coming. You know, the Shah's days were kind of numbered and, and, you know, that was that was something they were headed for. Um, and and speaking of embassies and whatnot, I'm sure yeah. back of a mind, back of his mind, Trump did not want to make this another Benghazi where we didn't act. Would you agree exactly. with that? Exactly. Absolutely. And he made that statement. He said, this is not going to be a Benghazi when. When our troops call in 911, you know, we have troops on the ground and hel- helicopters in the air. We're not going to leave those brave young men and women, you know, stranded out there like uh, the past administration did. Now, I got to be honest with you. Some people have said, oh, you should stay away from politics. You're better in sports. You right. should just focus right. on that. But honestly, I feel like you don't need to have a history of anything to know what's going on now. The now is that an American was killed under Iranian watch. And we had to react. I mean, that's just it might sound simple minded, but I'm I'm not into going into the history of this. We're dealing with the now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and that's what's going to happen. And when you have a, a president, a strong president in office, you know, we're go- he's going to take action. And the thing is, is I think I think it's going to back off Iran and actually maybe even bring them to the negotiating table because they know that President Trump is going to act. Right. By the way, breaking news tonight, Iran fired 15 ballistic missiles with 11 hitting military bases and four failing. That's the other thing. I feel like they don't have the strength that we do to retaliate. Would you oh, agree absolutely. with that? Absolutely not. Their, their military has, is no comparison to the United States and the uh, amount of weaponry that we have. And you have to understand, too, Alex, it's like the, uh, the weaponry that we know of, you know, mm-hmm. is one thing. But there's also weaponry in, that we have that is top secret that none of us know about, you know, that their, their and I capability. Think Trump has an idea. I think oh, yeah. Trump, has Trump, an idea. Trump knows. Yeah. As, as the commander in chief, he he's aware of all his capabilities um, the for the military. Absolutely. Now, I got to ask you this. When, when we woke up one morning, like in the summer of 2015, 2014 and said, mm-hmm. oh, we have a deal with Iran. I, I grew up watching them on PBS NewsHour, Jim Lehrer striking everybody. I'm like, wow. no way we can wake up in a day in America and have a deal with Iran. That must have broken your heart, as it did many Americans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are, are you speaking about the deal with uh, President yeah, Obama? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that just I, I had my head shaking because, like I said, this region of the world, uh, they don't. The only thing they understand. This is the reason that Israel survives in the Middle East is because they understand that when you get attacked, you have to counterattack and show strength. You know, if you show right. weakness, they're going to continue to attack. So I well, think that showed weakness. Go ahead. What's your prediction? Do we do we attack? Do we, what's your prediction moving forward now? I think my prediction would be this. I think um, you know President Trump is definitely going to retaliate in some way. Um, he's not going to start a war. I mean that that's the Democrats. That's the left just trying to you know scare everybody and 
and into thinking that. But uh, I think it'll calm down. I'll think they'll back off and back down like they normally do, and things will calm down. And and I and Trump, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has them at the negotiating table, you know, short, sure. soon. Yeah. And and one other thought on this is that everybody was in the outcry of the cultural sites, not for nothing, but World Trade Center was a cultural site. We've had right. cultural sites destroyed. And so to use that argument seems like a weak argument because, you know, they attack our sites. We can't attack theirs. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think that's the point the president was making is, is like, OK, they're 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 OK to attack all of our, you know, sites like that. Mm-hmm. or they're important or religious sites or and our people. But theirs is off limits. You know, that's that's what seems doesn't seem fair, you know, and I know the president, he'll follow whatever the laws is, the law, you know, he'll follow that. But but he's just expressing, you know, President Trump says what he's thinking. You always know what he's thinking, you know, and and that's because he's not a politician. He's going to just say it like it is. And he's not uh, tied to anybody. You got to appreciate that. He's not tied to anybody. Right. He doesn't know anybody, anything. and He's not tied to anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Now, you know, I'm just thinking about this as we're talking. We're in the roaring 20s now. Right. That was kind of your heyday for your grandfather, right? So, yeah, it uh, was. What, take us back to 1920s quickly for your grandfather, for those who may not know about your book, Heart of Steel. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're headed into the 100th anniversary, actually, of the uh, incident in my book, Heart of Steel. Uh, my grandfather was 12 years old in 1920. And I'll take you back to uh, rural Southington, Ohio, uh, in 1920 on the farm. And uh, my great-grandfather was actually murdered. We, I, we discovered a few years ago that you know, my last name really wasn't Miller, it's Puhalski. My grandfather uh, experienced a tragedy, you know, in 1920 where his father was murdered and, uh, you know, a scandal kind of broke out. Uh, they were sent to an orphanage in 1920, which was not a real great place. He ran away with the idea to get a job, go back, steal his siblings out of that orphanage, and Amazing. then... Uh, take care of them and raise them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And and I know since we last talked, which was Christmas time, you've had some progress. Yeah. since. We have, we've had some progress. The book is, has been doing really well, by the way. And I, I love hearing from uh, readers reaching out to me on, on the website, hardestdealbook.com. My social media is up there and, and I love hearing from people. Um, but yeah, we've got a uh, movie deal that we're, that we're working on right now. The book's been optioned for a movie. So we're, discussing that, getting a screenwriter to convert the book to a screenplay and finding the financing and, and getting this thing up on the screen. So very exciting stuff. And I got to be honest, uh, thank you for the signed copy. That was really oh, absolutely. beautiful of you to do. So yeah. thank you. For a great yes. Christmas gift. And yeah. my mom saw on shoes and all that as well. So thank oh, you you're welcome. for making our household uh, Christmas time. Nice. But, you know, I got to be honest, I was seeing a, um, a, a speakeasy tour in New York City. Oh, and I couldn't sweet. help but think of your grandfather because he yeah. was in, involved with that. He might have been ashamed mm-hmm. of it, but he was he was involved with that. I mean, that was what the twenties was, was it right. not? Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely not a perfect man. You know, he had a he had a heart of steel. He had a heart of gold too. You know, and he took care of his mm-hmm. family. But yeah, he got he did what he needed to do to take care exactly. of us, to take care of his family and and owning a speakeasy and doing some stuff that was illegal. You know, he, he just he did it for the right reasons. You know, sometimes you do a wrong thing for the right reason. And that's kind of was his life. But uh, and he met my grandmother, you know, in a speakeasy. Yeah. And, and, and uh, he saved her like nobody talks about that. Yeah. But he 
he saved her from an awful guy. Talk about that, yeah. Netflix. Yeah, he did. He they um he met in a bar. My grand my grandmother, you know, wanted nothing to do with him at first. It took him a while. You know, he was just smitten right. with her the minute he saw her, and she just you know kept kind of blowing him off and stuff. But but yeah, she um you know she got herself. There, there were some guys harassing her and 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 messing with her, and and he stepped in and he took a a pretty severe beating over it later because he left right. the the speakeasy and they jumped him. And this is a true story. This is a true part of the book. And uh, he went back one by one and, and got each one of those guys that Amazing. jumped him back. Yeah, he actually well, did throw one over the balcony in the theater. That was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing because he was standing up for what was right, you know? Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I know that he was involved with Chicago in the 20s. Mm-hmm. I, and I never asked you this before in the other interviews. Sure. What was it like researching Chicago and the classic sites in that era, it must have been mind blowing to you. Oh, it, it was mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a lot going on in Chicago. Now he was in Chicago um, as a boy when he ran away from the orphanage, and he some a couple took him in, and uh, he got into bootlegging with them. Also Polish, yeah, they they took him in and uh, taught him the bootlegging. He he worked at a steel mill as a bar catcher, and then he left and went back. But there's a there's an area in in uh, Canton, Ohio called uh, Little Chicago. And it's it was very a um, lot of mobsters, a lot of activity. Even Al Capone is said to have hidden out there, you know, when he when the FBI was looking for him. So there was a lot there. And my grandfather was not a mobster. He he, but he he no. knew a lot of them, and he got he did work for a lot of them. And he his philosophy always was, just don't let them do you a favor, you know, just stay out of their debt, right. you know, take, do the job, take the honest, you know, work and pay, and just don't be in their debt for anything. Well, I feel like as I read the story, that was sort of a God blessing right there that he wasn't involved with any of that. Because look, you're that young. You could fall very easily into that trap and he just never did. That's, that's a miracle. Yeah. He was pretty wise in that response, in that regard, man. He was a very wise man, you know, in that, in that regard, he, he figured those things out and, uh, and avoided that altogether. But him and my grandmother were married for 49 years. And the last part of the books, their love story. You know, right. and, and I get a lot of comments on that, too, you know, that people because the stories, you know, it's pretty emotional all the way through. And then you get to the end where you got a love story and, and you got, you know, the happy his happy ending, basically. So it picks you back up. And and when you're promoting this book, I know I've asked you this before, but sure. I'm kind of curious. Being a Trump supporter, you're not afraid to do that and still promote a book about, you know, because society today, if you support them, you're excommunicated. Yeah for no reason but you're not afraid to support him while promoting this no i'm not because actually you know my grandfather was that type of man it's like you know you can't be afraid of who you are or what you believe and and the thing is is people have just forgotten these these days and to respect each other you can you can disagree you know i can disagree on something and and we can get along just fine it used to be like that it's not like that anymore now there's hate and, and and people are labeled to shut them up. And it's like, I'm not going to shut up. You know, this is what I believe, you know, convince me otherwise, prove me wrong, but this is what I believe. And I respect that you, if you differ, you know, but, but but you should respect my opinion as well, you know? And, and one, uh, no, I agree. And, you know, 55% in a lot, in a recent poll I was reading want Mm -hmm. more conversation. And I am totally with that. We cannot, Yeah. this is, this is a very pivotal year because I feel that if we're not connecting with each other anymore, Mm-hmm. 20 the 20s will be the end of it you know so yeah. we have to 
keep the glue together that built us to where we are now. And that right. glue is coming apart almost every day. And it's sad to see. It, it is. And it's because of a, there's just a, there's just a group of extremists that have gone. I mean, liberals aren't the same liberals that they once were. It used to be, you know, I have a lot of friends that are liberal and, and we, you know, we, we agree on a lot more stuff. It's surprising the stuff that we do agree on, right. you know, when you talk face to face, you know, and I, and I think social media is kind of a downfall because it's so easy to get behind a, a computer screen or your text and say things that you wouldn't say to somebody to their face. You know, and I think it's right. better. It loses you lose communication as well. So I think you're right. We need to get back to talking and, and just, you know, because the thing is, you can learn. I, I, there's been times where people have given me such a good argument. It's like, OK, you know, yeah, maybe you're right about that or that part of that. And I might change my mind on something. But if that can't happen if people aren't talking, if they're just calling you a, a Nazi or a racist. They're just, you know, the kind of things that Horrible. that just, you know, just Horrible. stop the conversation. And by the way, you're in Cali. You're wearing your Arizona hat. But in your, you're, you're literally down the block from Schiff. And you've told me that you have people that are in your corner and not Schiff's corner around that area. There are there. There are a lot more um conservative, um, even moderate people in California than than we think, you know, they just stay quiet because of this reason, because, you know, you can't talk, you know, because you're just right. shut down. So and well, a lot of the people watching, mm -hmm. go ahead. I, I was watching say, videos of, of people trying to go to UC Berkeley and they're being shut yeah. out by these youngsters. Right. And it's like right. you're you don't know any better, you know. Yeah. You, you should let them in to hear the conversation. Exactly. I Listen mean, to the conversation. Right. Because and I've seen people whose tickets get revoked, uh, get stolen from them. It's really it's heartbreaking when you think about it. But I, I also feel like this book still works in this time because honestly, we're in a dark time now. It's freezing out. It's dark. The Christmas lights are pretty much done. And so your book can lighten up someone's mood in an instant. So I applaud you for that writing. Oh, thank you, Alex. Yeah, it's it's getting a lot of good reviews. I mean, I get a lot of, of feedback from people who said they just when they once they picked it up, they just could not put it down. And, and they just went through a gamut of emotions. They laughed, they cried, they felt the emotion and pain of standing because the way I wrote the book is I wrote it in kind of a cinematic, dramatic, fast paced way where you're living the story through as Stanley. I mean, you're you're mm -hmm. living it through his eyes. So you're feeling and it's his your dialogue. Pain. It's not even anybody's. It's right. your created dialogue, which is right. even more special. Right. right. So you, you got in the mm -hmm. mind of him as a, as a young kid, mm -hmm. which is pretty mm -hmm. remarkable. Yeah, I almost some, at times felt like I was kind of channeling his spirit in because I, I put myself in his mind, you know, quite a bit. And, and uh, you know, I had an uncle that said that told me once, he says, you know what, you remind me a lot of your grandfather. He never really told me why or what reminded me, but but he did. And I, I thought, you know, because that's how I, I kind of put myself in that position. I'm going to think like my grandfather, you know, and, and write his story, you know, through his eyes and how I think he would he would he would say it. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining me on very such notice. Oh, sure. Such short notice. But we, we got to talk about this because it's a conversation that we yeah. have to have. And honestly, I like someone on the other side of the aisle, but I just feel like they're not going to give you a decent conversation right now. So I'm glad that yeah. I have you to talk to yeah. and Absolutely. you've been in the trenches. So thank you for that. Absolutely, Alex. I appreciate it. And uh, anytime. Look forward and to I talking to you again. I know you're a Cardinal again. fan. Go yeah. Giants. We miss <laughs> out on a bunch of we miss out on a bunch of coaches here in New York, but we finally yeah. got one from the Patriots. It's, yes. It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And you guys yeah. are still up there. You know, I mean, you've had a tough season, but I think yeah. you guys showed flashes, you know? 
they show some flashes towards the end of the season there. So there's promise. There's promise of the future. You got a good young quarterback. Just got to get some linemen to block for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. and Kyler Murray, of course, was an Oklahoma standout. Yeah. So, he was a, yeah. Second uh, Heisman Trophy winner coming out of Oklahoma, who seems to just be generating a lot of Heisman Trophy winners lately. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, and it's and mm-hmm. two is now going to the draft in Alabama. So it'll be yeah. the league shaking up, you know, so it's right. good to see. Right. Anyway, Kevin, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. OK, Alex. Takes care, man. I'm Alexander Garrett with this edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Kevin. Yeah, anytime.